Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you once again for giving up a small part of your week as we dive a little bit deeper into what I believe is one of the most fascinating areas of government communication. We have a great uh, guest this week who's going to talk a lot about transformation and and the impact of um, digital uh, technologies, but also the policy frameworks that underpin those as we continue to wrestle with um, the great changes that are upon us at the moment. So that'll be a great chat, and I will introduce him in, in just a moment. But um, as we do each week, we start the program with the definition of content communication. So content communication is a strategic, measurable, and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So to my guest today, Tim Conway is the founder and chief executive at C-Metrics and the Asia-Pacific director of the Global Digital Foundation, which is a think tank and policy network providing interdisciplinary framework for a three-way dialogue between policymakers, stakeholders, and scholars in support of an evidence-based approach to policy, which is affecting the development and use of digital technology. He has a passionate interest in the transformational impact of ICT and the importance of ensuring that this is recognised and discussed in both national and global policies. And he joins me in the studio. Tim, thanks for joining me in Transition. Well, thank you very much for having me, David. It's a, it's a great... Uh initiative you've done here and I hope I can do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> great, fantastic. This is such an exciting time though, isn't it, for for this great challenge that we all have in dealing with, you know, the, the great gift of technology and the great transformation, but it's so complex, it's so difficult. How are you and your colleagues going about trying to help government deal with this big change? Well, yeah, you, you, you're right. I'm the first thing is we're all very optimistic about the future. Yeah. We, we've seen great things that, that technology has done and we expect technology to continue to make all our lives better socially, economically and, and, and in a whole range of areas. But technology is moving very, very fast, much faster than the, uh, the policy, public policy environment that governments operate in. And so what, really what we're, we're trying to do here is work with governments uh, and work for governments and work for society in general to make them become more agile, more responsive, to develop public policy that reflects the effects of technology with a firm evidence base, with a firm research base, with good, open and transparent discussions. So the the foundation has been established, the, the Global Digital Foundation, and it's a it's an all-encompassing name, um, has been established to sort of try and promote that dialogue, to promote research, but to be a non-partisan, very neutral player. We're not a lobbyist or anything like that. We just think we need to get uh, a good level of discussion occurring 
and for policy to be developed rapidly that reflects what is happening in the in the digital economy. And we want to take when, when we use the word uh, multidisciplinary, we, we really want to look at economic, social, cu cultural, all of those perspectives. So to do that, um, digital knows no boundaries really. Uh, once something is digitised, it can be here in Canberra tomorrow and it can be in uh, Washington in 10 seconds time. Um, so we've got to take a global approach. Uh, products, digital products and services are accessed and available on a global basis. Uh, the technologies, what works here, works in America, works in the UK and, and, and elsewhere. So we're trying to build a network in Europe, North America, Africa and Asia Pacific. We've got nodes in all of those at the moment. Um, and we're, we're really trying to establish through those nodes uh, a network of researchers, of politicians, of public servants and of people generally, stakeholders generally, unions, what, what have you, uh, civil society, anyone who has an interest in the effects of technology and, uh, and the impact of digitisation. That's, that's a big, big, big job, isn't it? Like, well, that's a monster. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do feel like the little boy that... Uh, yeah. well, I, I, I was the son of a farmer and yeah. we used to have a big drum of molasses in the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in, in the shed and my father used to go past and take a lick. He said, oh, if I ever fell in there, I'd never have the tongue <laughs> for the opportunity. And I think that's the case here. But it is. But that's the thing, isn't it? But a you know a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So so where do you get started on such a vast enterprise, which is going to involve cultural change, process change, technology change, system change? Like everything's there are so many moving pieces in, in all of that. Where do you start? Well, we, we we've started with by looking at some of the technologies that are that are here and now and some of the issues that are here and now and, and just sort of say, can we chip into those? So, you know, we're, we're looking at technologies around cyber security, um, these, these new technologies such as blockchain as it's known, which are dynamic linked uh, contracts, if you like, um, which, have which have led to things like cryptocurrencies, so Bitcoin people will have heard of. That's creating a currency that's beyond government regulation has implications. We're looking at artificial intelligence and machine learning and robotics. You know, all of those things were sci-fi a couple of years ago. They're all happening right now. We've seen, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles. We know that there are cars that can drive themselves, various devices, drones and so on. We're looking at the additive technologies, the sort of customised products that uh, through the combination of digital technology and... Uh, biology and genetics means that in the future we'll have drugs and remedies that are customised for your body. Um, or maybe there will be things that help your body do better than it will, like remember and all of those types of things. We're looking at the internet of things. It's not just the thermostat on the wall. There are going to be, you know, double and triple and quadruple the number of devices connected to the internet that have no human uh, in control of them, as it were, and, and they have the ability to turn things on and off mm -hmm. and uh, do all sorts of things. 
and we're looking at big data and analytics, which is the, the sort of information that once people start carrying around a mobile device or interacting with uh, a computer or digital technology in any way, um, they create uh, purposely or mostly inadvertently and that leaves footprints and there are ethical issues about all of those types of things. We're looking at the skills issues in this issue space. So we're looking at digital skills. How do we have the skills for now and in the future that make, make sure that Australia and every country can participate fully in the, the, the opportunities that digital provides? Um, it's not just... People have always talked about the old science, technology, engineering and maths... But there's much more to it yeah. than that now. There's psychology, there's behavioural issues, there's understanding uh, the way in which people respond to certain mm. uh, 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 initiatives and so on. We're looking at the future workforce because these technologies are going to displace jobs. There are a lot of 21st century blacksmiths activities out there and um, we have to look at those. We have to ensure that uh, we help Governments identify those that are going to be affected by this and to enable transition. We have to look at things like man versus machine decision-making mm. and that's been quite in the news at the moment with issues around um, parole and uh, bail decisions and all of those types of things. Um, there's going to be some tricky issues that arise there. The national border and cross-border issues... Uh, and again, coming back to the ethical issues. Mm. So those are the things we're focusing on. How do we go about that? Um, we have a, a couple of different ways in which we can... Uh, a couple of different processes, if I can put it that way. Yeah. Uh, one is, is really to start breaking the, the issues down into their component parts. So we're, we're looking, uh, for example, in, in Europe at the moment on uh, what we call uh, the digital consumer hub. We believe that con consumers need to have a greater level of knowledge about what occurs with their data when they interact digitally in the world. Um, so we, we're producing a, a website that will be looking at that particular activity and trying to promote, uh, well, it, and it's all content, David, I might add, mm -hmm. uh, 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 some... Uh, good information mm. that people can use about what happens when you uh, take certain uh, activities onto your mobile device yeah. or in, into your house. But that's a massive issue, isn't it? I know that's an issue here in Australia, you know, the, the, this whole notion of, um, you know, government having access to, to, our, to our data that we're, you know, quite happy to give it to the local shopping centre or give it to Facebook or give it to Google, but as soon as we hand it over to government, there's a, you know, there's a, a resistance of sorts. And really, you know, major central government agencies or, or a collective of government agencies really need the data because the, the better that they can get the data, the better they can design, you know, in services which are going to deliver better outcomes for people. But trying to get people across that divide of, of sharing data in order to get the better outcome is a real challenge, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, and uh, no more, nowhere is that more emphasised in the, than in the case of uh, health data. We all yeah. think our health data is, you know, we want to keep it very, very private. Mm. But I can assure you that if you're a rare blood 
type or something along those lines and you get knocked over by the bus outside this office, yeah. you want the ambulance yeah. to know that straight yeah. away. So it, there is there is this sort of uh, information sharing and trust. Yeah. Trust is a big, big issue that sits underneath all of this. Yeah. And um, government, I think, is having a real challenge as to the way in which, as to how it works uh, in gaining uh, consumers and citizens' trust. Mm. Um, on the one hand, consumers have sh- shown themselves to be very willing to use mobile devices to interact with all manner of uh, services and so on. But when it comes to some government services, because of the way in which those services are presented, mm. people just get a little bit wary as to where where will this end up, you know. How, how does government treat that, you know, trust deficit? You know, we know from OECD reports... We know from the Edelman Trust Barometer when, uh, that trust in government institutions is not robust. It's not fantastic. And so how, how do we start at this time when we're asking more of citizens in terms of sharing their information, how do we get them to that point? How do we rebuild trust in, in public institutions? I think that's, a, that's one of the first big challenges mm. that government has to, uh, has to look at. And I don't think it's done it very well itself. I don't know that... I think there's... Government itself assumes that it's trustworthy um, and that it doesn't have to gain trust with its con- consumers and citizens, that it just exists. And that's that's reasonable because uh, most public servants are noble people and all, all of these types of things. However, we do also know, and we see it all the time, that there are... Uh, there have been examples where information has been abused, has been lost, has been spilt. Um, and in the public sector, it it, it uh, does not go down well at all. In the private sector, when a, when a business does that, there's a very strong market sanction. Yes. People just stay away from the product. Mm. If a digital product is leaking your data it, and it becomes known, that product is dead in the water. Yes. But I'm not sure that's the case for government yet, or they don't realise that, or maybe we just don't have any choice. Yeah, well, well in some cases, I, I think you're right that we don't have any any choice, but I do think that there is, you know, and it's this great movement towards citizen-centred design, which is really about respecting the audience and rather than where the government hears the information, take it or leave it, I think increasingly government is understanding that the expectations of citizens are different and therefore they have to actually stand in the shoes, be far more empathetic if indeed they're going to earn the right to um, some share of the attention of that audience that they need to influence. Yeah, I I think that's a really big point. I think um, at the moment there is, and and this may be my own perspective, there is a perception within government that uh, social media, the, 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 the commentary that occurs on social media around things is a media issue, it is something, mm. it, it, it is an attack and a response type issue, it's a criticism, rather than seeing it as a constructive medium uh, that enables government to alter and respond in a far more specific way. Mm. So... Uh, well, it's a, it's a real-time focus group in many ways, Absolutely, isn't it? exactly <laughs> that. And, and uh, a lot of Commercial organisations are using that type of information to respond very practically, almost very personally to the way in which uh, you interact with them as a customer. Mm. I don't think we've gone anywhere near that with uh, 
with governments and their citizens. And maybe that's going to require leveraging up the trust Mm. sense a little bit more because if uh, the tax office certainly sent me an SMS saying, hey, Tim, uh, did you know that uh, you're a little bit late with your tax return? Um, I might say, hang on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, equally... Uh, as we've seen with some of the, uh, the work that's been done in exactly that space, if that message is conveyed the right way, mm. it's seen as a very constructive and helpful thing. So, so how do you build, build the confidence within public institutions to participate more constructively? Well, I think uh, governments and, and public institutions need, need to reach out and, and that's really part of what we're trying to do with the foundation. And I'm not saying the foundation is the vehicle for this, but the, the foundation's model is to gather evidence, to, to get the best minds with the best data to produce the best evidence for uh, governments uh, and all their stakeholders, their citizens, their industries and businesses affected to hold a discussion about how they can go forward. So there's transparency and openness in that and I think that's a, a really, really important uh, activity. And there are, there's some great work happening here in Australia in the Prime Minister's Department and uh, in places like the Treasury which are looking at open approaches to policy development. It's 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 a great initiative and a, a great starting point. Yeah, and but that's there's also you know the whole open government movement, isn't there? You know, globally where there's, you know, it was one of I think um, uh, President Obama's first initiatives when he came in in two thousand and eight was to underpin the open government movement, which was to say we are going to move to to this openness. And uh, obviously things have changed a little in that part of the world. Um, but how do we sustain that openness when it, it can be, uh, you know, left to the vagaries of certain decision makers? And again, where we've seen in, in the United States where, um, you know, a lot of that openness has been closed down very quickly. It has. Um, but equally, we have seen that uh, where things are closed down, information gets out and it gets out in a way that is somewhat pre- much more prejudicial yeah. than would have occurred had the organisation thought about taking a much more open and transparent approach in the first place. So, you know, and, and we've seen some institutions that have, you know, high levels of security suffer from this. Yeah. Um, so this is part of the, uh, the, the transparency, trust, uh, openness triad, if I can put it that way, um, in effect, one of the keys to trust is uh, a sense that citizens see governments operating transparency, transparently, openly, not, not sharing Tim Conway's data or anything like that openly or transparently, but the way in which they, will, they are going around uh, uh, gathering information and the way in which they're using that information mm. and that they're not using it in ways that they haven't talked about. Sure. But again, I suppose I go back to these sort of entrenched cultural issues of, you know, the default setting is in, you know, in in Western democracies, uh, government, you know, the bureaucracy support the political class, um, don't embarrass the minister is sort of the mantra that everyone lives by. 
don't push too far because if you open something up and that makes the minister embarrassed, they get a bad question at question time and so on it rolls. And so while on the one hand we know that this is a good thing, the, the realities often are that you know, the system is biased towards being closed as opposed to leveraging the benefits of being open. And I just wonder how that change or that balance moves or flips because, you know, the state of politics here in Australia and in the UK and in Western Europe and in in the United States doesn't fill me with any hope that we're sort of moving to any sort of mature model anytime soon. No, but I think think we are reaching a an inflection point on that where we're seeing uh, ultimately um, good people speaking truth to power. Mm. Uh, And we've just seen that. I don't want to to date your uh, podcast, (laughs) but we've certainly seen that with the the former FBI chief in relation to his uh, relationship with the the current US president. Mm. And we see that from time to time in various different places. So ultimately where, uh, and and this is one of the the focuses of the foundation, we've got to look at whether something is enabling democracy or enabling autocracy. And if it's enabling the concentration of power, um, then we need to reveal that. We need to to show that to people and, and let them understand. If it's enabling democracy, and most of these technologies are enabling democracy, they are enabling people to feedback, um, and you know, we can uh, we can be somewhat concerned about uh, the current US president, but at least he's on social media, yeah. and he may even be reading some of the stuff that's coming back at him. Yeah. So he's not going to be insensitive to what his citizens are saying, um, and I think. That's part of the thing. So it's, it is this new communication cycle. Mm. Uh, it's it's twenty four hours. It's it's not twenty four hours. It's twenty four seconds. Mm. Um, but we need to embrace it, not mm. fear it. And by embracing it, take the lessons from it. Take the information from it. Mm. Oh, the, 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 you know, there's massive opportunities, and we're seeing it. You know, every day in in this business. You know, we're in the business of helping government communicate more effectively, and so we are creating the the connective tissue, as I like to call it, you know, the information pieces and, and artefacts that are then distributed that stimulate the conversation. And then hopefully you are seeing that fed back in, getting that better information, you know, which is hopefully uh, informing better, more robust, you know, more effective policy. Um, so I think, I think those benefits uh, are there. But perhaps to, to bring you back to a, a question maybe around that priority, that was a, that's a big list that the Global Digital Foundation is is chasing after. So, and and I think there's lots of, you know, many of those things that they're almost all joined up, aren't they, in a, in a sort of rosary of, um, of you know, interconnectedness, you know, to, to join them together. But where might be um, the thread that you pull on first that is going to lead you down this path of, you know, discovery and collaboration and improvement? Well, yes, you're right. It's it's indivisible. Uh, so we just have to pick chunks yeah. uh, and, and and look at those. So and so we're I doing think that, that. That project sounds like a good one around that European use of of data. Whereas you know, perhaps that's a point where you could really you know focus some real attention. Yes, yeah, so that that's a classic one. Although. Uh, the Europeans have a slightly different view of privacy and and yep. the way in which data is retained than the rest of the world, and and so. One of the challenges we have in doing this on a global basis is 
people sort of uh, don't necessarily want to say, well, we don't we don't do it the same way as the Europeans do. Mm. However, um, we have to be cognizant of, of exactly those types of things because if it's not governments doing something like this, it, 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 it can be private firms. We need to know where our, our data is today and mm. what's happening to it and, and how it might be used against but, us. But or, do you think these, these massive global sort of powers that are sort of being driven by, te- you know, technology um, that are spinning up these massive platforms and that creating sort of a, a uniformity almost, do you think they're having an impact on behaviours and that, that we may get a much more unified global approach to standards around information sharing? Or do you think that they're so ingrained that that won't change, you know, despite any any amount of forth being applied to it? Well, there are, there are a number of different um effects that, that are uh, visible at the moment. One is this new um, phenomenon of the way in which people gather news. I mean, once upon a time we all went and bought a daily paper or a couple of daily papers. We listened to different uh, radio, uh, television news and, and those types of things. Uh, I, I can bet you that uh, the way, I, way in which I got my news this morning is quite different to the way in which you got your yeah, news. Precisely. Uh, and it, it, one of the things that, that occurs is that we all have these cognitive biases mm. and we all have a particular bias around reading and taking in information that ref, reinforces those biases. That is a little bit of a worry, yes. Um, so we, we need to be aware of those and... and Part of what we're trying to do in, in, with the hub is to try and educate people, particularly young people, to take a broad perspective. Um, we think mm. on the internet we have a broad perspective, but in fact it can be very, very narrow. Yes. And, and uh, you, you can have this uh, self-reinforcing echo of, mm. uh, of what is happening and, and I think we're seeing some adverse mm. effects of that, you know, looking at the, the sort of... Uh, uh, Terrorist type activities and so on yeah. that we've seen, but uh, but but I but it's an interesting point you 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 raise around this notion of um, specificity and narrowness because I know that I curate the information that I receive when I receive it in what form and at what time, mm. and as you say, I'm different to you, different to the next person, different to the next person, just different to the next person. So interestingly, uh, yeah, I've my habits even in the last couple of years have changed dramatically mm. but I curate my information now and I'm not sure I, I wonder how we might be able to change that um, I'm sort of I do read sort of reasonably widely um, and I'm not sort of drawing information to me with any well I suppose I am reinforcing a, a, a bias of sorts but I think my driver is much more around interest that I'm I'm bringing to me stuff that I really that you know that I enjoy that you know, looks at my interests around business and technology and politics and those sorts of things. So, yeah, I, 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 it's it's infinitely fascinating, isn't it? This whole, uh, this whole, this whole. Ab- thing. Absolutely, and I'm, and I'm going to, you know, I'm as a communications professional, David. I'm hoping you'll come up with an answer in this space <laughs> <laughs> because well, yeah, well, it's. Or, it's or, or, or define the issue so that some research can take place because I think it is a really important issue. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a really important issue too, and I'm not sure I quite have the answer now. But I think I think what we can do with government in terms of being able to uh, 
communicate more effectively is to really um, borrow the best practice of the broadcasters and the publishers and bring those practices into government so as we, we can start to publish more useful, more relevant, more consistent, more engaging content that starts to get people's attention because I think when you are dull, you are, you know, consigning yourself to, you know, irrelevance and you won't earn that attention. So I think that's a step one is to really upskill and then start to get better at telling stories and, and unlock um, so many of the, of, of so much of the valuable resource that sits inside government. They're like, there are, there are so many good things that government does, but it's just does a terrible job at telling stories that people don't accept that that benefit may be there or they don't understand that that benefit's there. So it's invisible to them. And so therefore the government doesn't need credit because they don't know that it's there. Um, so it, it, it's a huge challenge, but I think that's the challenge we're going to try to take on at Content Group to try to you know improve that ability of government to tell good stories. Well, more power to you on, <laughs> in, in that respect. Um, actually, one of, this is one of the areas, and 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 all of the, you know, on all of these issues, I have to say, the foundation does not have the answers. <laughs> we don't have any of the answers. <laughs> what we're trying to do is yeah. is identify the issues and say these are issues. Yeah. Uh, they are, they're going to have impacts. We need to start researching those those issues. Yeah. So if I can just come back to this and, and just think out loud a little bit, one of the things that artificial intelligence will do is that it goes through this podcast, it goes through all the material that can be produced and is produced in the last nanosecond on the internet mm. and it can do processing of that and it could, uh, through a, uh, an intelligent agent, advise me, hey, I might be interested in this particular aspect. Yes. Um, and so it brings that to me because part of the problem is there are things that are happening out there, your podcasts, there are various other bits and pieces that people just don't find. Oh. And, and you can do what you like to try and get people to find. We actually have to send, use the technology positively to enable us to, for that information to be discovered and for us to find it. Yes. Um, and I, I, look, I, I think that's massively important because I think, but again, it, it gets into this point of, you know, creepiness of, as you were saying before, well, hang on, the tax office has just sent me a message about my tax return. How did they get there? Whereas, you know, the, let's take another example. If I'm a business person and I am, um, uh, researching something around perhaps grants of some sort that I'm a small business and I'm going to maybe an export market development grant of some sort. But I know as, you know, the artificial intelligence engine should be able to say, okay, well, we've got information about export market development grants. Here is a search need that we've identified. Why don't we connect them up? Now, I'd be probably quite happy to, oh, that's good. Now it's been, you know, my front door has been knocked on and someone's sending me something that I really want. So, again, where's that balance between creepy tax guy to, you know, as opposed to really useful export market development guy and, and that's, and, or girl, I should say? Yeah, and that's why the skills of now and, in, and, and the future are not just going to be this uh, technology engineering maths. They're going to be around psychology. They're going to be yes. about understanding human behaviour, about crafting and constructing con communication in a way that uh, grabs my attention, is non-threatening, yeah. elicits a response, yes. those types of things. Yeah. That's And that's going to be that is, really... It's, it's, it, but, 
but you're tell, but by the sounds of it, you're saying that the, you think that you're quite optimistic that this will be able to be done. Yes, absolutely. In I, in, in the near term, because yeah, I I, I I can see it now. One of the reasons being that uh, I subscribe to a few music services, uh-huh. and I notice yeah. that they notice what yeah. I listen to, yeah. and they don't just yeah. give me what I've listened to before. Yeah. They give me new music yeah. that I might like, yeah. and when I listen to it. Yeah. I do like it. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. And the reason is not it's just... It's learning. Not, yeah. yeah, it's learning. The machines are learning. And, and, and it's learning the patterns of, uh, you know, whatever, whether it's the chord structure, the rhythm, the beat, yeah. Yeah. all of those things. Yeah. It's going, Tim will like this. Yeah. It's, 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 as I say, infinitely fascinating. I love having these conversations. And, um, but we are coming up hard against time, Tim, and I'll, I'll certainly get you back in the future as we sort of explore more around the work of the Global Digital Foundation because I think the aspiration of the Global Digital Foundation because, you know, one of the values of content group or the mantras is dream big dreams and I think we're sort of, we're fellow travellers there, you know, in that space because, but but I, I love the idea of sort of being a connector in this space and prodding people and trying to find, because all of this work is taking place. Yeah. Well, you know, there's so much of this that's happening on um, but obviously, you know, what the Global Digital Foundation is trying to do is to stitch some of this together and being able to be, you know, a, a lighthouse of sorts to be able to say, hey, if you're interested in this, look over there. Hey, what about if you're interested in that, look over here and, and bringing this all together into a useful collaboration of sorts so that we can start to find the solutions to some of these challenges. Absolutely. And that's... We're in the connection business as much as you. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody wants to engage with us, please come to our website, www.globaldigitalfoundation.org. I don't know why we didn't go for GDF. It wasn't available, <laughs> that's why. But globaldigitalfoundation.org uh, is the place to talk to us. Excellent. Great. Well, I've got plenty to talk to you about off air as well. Um, but thank you for, for coming in this afternoon. Thanks for coming in for a chat. My pleasure and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no problem at all. And to you, the listener, thank you very much for, for coming back again this week. A great conversation. I love these conversations that we're having that are as a bit broader than just those narrow areas of, of government communication because I think these contextual pieces are so important for us to understand because, you know, listening to Tim there and what he was saying there about, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, this is going to become meat and potatoes for us working in government communication very, very soon. We're going to have to understand how the machines are working and how can we can leverage those benefits because if you can imagine how much better we will we get at targeting and understanding and creating value and serving the citizens out there in order that we can strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens. So it's an exciting time, I think, for all of us. But yeah, these broader contextual pieces are great and I would encourage you to actually um, take up Tim's invitation there and get involved in the Global Digital Foundation because certainly content group will be very much involved in the weeks, months and years ahead. So thanks again for turning up and uh, we'll be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.